Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Ah, here we go. So grateful to connect with you. Let's begin with a prayer and a blessing. Taking that breath of gratitude together, that sweet breath of thanksgiving, so grateful for our precious life, for the opportunity to have the renewal of our mind. We are grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to call forth a healing, a transformation in our awareness. We're willing to consciously release all attachments to false beliefs, to the thoughts that cause our suffering. We're grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, unlimited flow of love. We're grateful to know and to remember the truth that is our liberator. We are grateful to surrender any idea of our being separate. We are making Spirit the authority in our lives. That higher Holy Spirit itself is in charge. We are grateful to go forward and to multiply the consciousness of perfect love. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So this week we're talking about the authority problem. It came up last week and I got a big hit for us to look at that section in the course. You may be familiar with it. It's chapter three, section six, called Judgment and the Authority Problem. And so essentially, what we're talking about here is what is the authority? Do we make our ego identified self, that illusory self, the authority, or do we make love the authority, truth the authority, peace the authority, God the authority? And so this is the big conflict that we have in our human experience is that we delude ourselves into believing in separation and then we make the separate self-identity the authority. Now, check this out. In this section here of A Course in Miracles, we are told that the authority problem is the root of all evil. This is chapter 3, section 6, paragraph 7. Yes. Now here's one of the things that I find interesting about this, is that if we think of, Jesus is telling us here that this authority problem is the root of all evil. It's exactly what he says. In paragraph 5, right at the end, he says, If you wish to be the author of reality, you will insist on holding on 
to judgment. You will also regard judgment with fear, believing that it will someday be used against you. This belief can exist only to the extent that you believe in the efficacy of judgment as a weapon of defense for your own authority. So one of the things I say is the judger always feels judged. Of course, Miracle says the attacker always feels attacked. I also like to say the lover always feels beloved. So if we think that judgments will be used against us, it's because we use our judgments against other people and against ourselves. And that is what makes us think that our judgments are going to be used against us. Because remember, we have this very strong belief that we are going to be punished, that everyone's going to be punished, that punishment is the way of God. And we develop this idea that there's good karma and bad karma and bad karma is a punishment. But that's really not how God is. That's not how love is. It's why in the prodigal son story, Jesus tells us that the son is welcomed home by his family, particularly his father, with open arms, no criticism and no judgment. Over and over and over in the parables, Jesus is telling us about no judgment. There's so many of these stories, these parables, that are about no judgment. For instance, if you've got the one of the day laborers, everybody gets the same amount of pay no matter when they show up. There's no judgment that someone deserves more. Everyone gets the fullness of the kingdom no matter when they show up. That spirit is basically giving all to all. And that's what we're asked to do, to have, give all to all, to be like our creator in heaven, give all to all. And then in paragraph seven, this is where he says that basically all the symptoms of which there are an endless variation, all the symptoms of ego identification, there is, however, only one cause for all of them, the authority problem. This is the root of all ego. All ego, all evil. (laughs) He says, every symptom the ego makes involves a contradiction in terms because the mind is split between the ego and the Holy Spirit so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. Whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. This untenable position is the result of the authority problem, which, because it accepts the one inconceivable thought as its premise, can produce only ideas that are inconceivable. So what is the one inconceivable thought as its premise? Separation, that we're separate from God. And then in paragraph 8, Jesus says, the issue of authority is really a question of authorship. Who is the author of our life? What is the author of our life? Are we the author of our life, our being, our beingness? 
No, we did not create ourselves. We are part of God, but we did not create ourselves. However, we've made this personality and we're identified with the personality. And that is the authority problem. He goes on to say here in paragraph 8, when when you have an authority problem, it is always because you believe you are the author of yourself and project your delusion onto others. You then perceive the situation as one in which others are literally fighting you for your authorship. If we think about how we sometimes get into mindsets where we start thinking other people are making us unhappy and the things that other people are doing, that the situations and circumstances of our life are making us unhappy and that we don't like that. We blame others. When that kind of thing is going on, then we have lost track of what's really going on. So going back to this idea that the authority problem is the root of all evil, thinking that we are not made in the spiritual image and likeness of our Creator, but that we have somehow made ourselves that we could make ourselves, and not just the personality. These are all issues of authorship. This is what we're being told here. And so you can see how this is so rich for us to look at. First of all, let's just look at, are we willing to see our brothers and sisters are created by the Creator in perfection and wholeness. And it is our spiritual responsibility to see the Christ in them and to not be deluded by the image they have made or the projection we have made, but to see what is truly there, what is really there, and not what our projection is. This is our spiritual responsibility. And then if you think about this authority problem is the root of all evil, but when we think of the root of all evil, we think that money is the root of all evil. That is the teaching of the ego, that money is the root of all ego. Course in Miracles would tell us that everything in this world is neutral and that we've given everything in this world all the meaning that it has for us. If money were the root of all ego, ego, I keep saying that, that's so funny. If money were the root of all evil, then... Money would have power, would it not, in some way? But it doesn't. It has no power. It is symbolic. It is symbolic of our spiritual energy in many ways, or just our energy. So 
we've given everything all the meaning that it has for us. I, I have worked with folks as a spiritual counselor, because I've been a spiritual counselor for a couple of decades now, and it's amazing how often for spiritual students in particular, spiritual folks to believe that money is the root of all evil, so they have an aversion to money, even to being prosperous, to holding on to money, and even having enough money to pay their expenses. Many people actually have an aversion to not being in debt, to having extra money, even a small amount of extra money. It's extraordinary. And I I used to have this issue. It used to be an issue of mine. And so uh, because we have become convinced, whether we know it or remember or recognize it or not, that we do believe that money is the root of all evil. When we are making money the root of all evil, it is smoke and mirrors. It is a distraction. Because then we're not looking for the actual root of all evil. And I'll just remind you, I'm sure I've said this before, I love what Ernest Holmes gives as the definition of evil in the Science of Mind textbook. He says it's that which appears to be destructive. And uh, I believe he gave the example that winter appears to be destructive, but it's actually quite necessary for the cycle of birth and renewal. So is it actually destructive or just appears to be because the leaves fall off the tree and everything freezes, but it's actually beneficial in many ways. So if we're going to make money the root of all evil, it's a huge distraction for us. And we don't actually then deal with the true root of all evil, which is when we make ourselves the authority, meaning we we make our ego-identified self as the authority. Because we fear spirit the authority because we believe that we're going to be punished for being so bad, so wrong, so evil. So let's, oh, let's make money the root of all evil when actually money is inert. How could it be the root of all evil? And then, of course, people will say, rightly so, the love of money is the root of all evil and not money itself. But the love of money is the root of all evil. But how can you love something that is symbolic? Doesn't quite make sense. It would be a great affection, but not love. I I just, it's hard for me. It's like saying, oh, I love this table and, and to feel great love for the table. Well, I can appreciate the, the wood that's made in the tree, but to love the table seems often uh, uh, just kind of off, kind of strange and that's how it would be to, to love money. It doesn't quite make sense. So if we just can look for when we're feeling upset, we're feeling irritated, we're feeling frustrated, we're feeling confused, 
where are we identified? Are we thinking that we are the author of our lives, our beingness? Have we lost touch with our creator? What's really going on? And this is how we can get back into alignment. I see it over and over again in my own consciousness, in everybody else's, is that when we feel afraid, when we feel worried, when we feel lost or confused, it's simply because we're relying upon our own authority to solve problems that are only the result of our feeling separate. Because we believe we're separate, we believe we have to solve our problems. But of course, of Miracles tells us that all of our problems have been solved, that there actually are no problems. The only problem is the delusion of separation. Now, I find this quite empowering here. So in this, we're in paragraph eight here, where Jesus says, the issue of authority is really a question of authorship. When you have an authority problem, it is always because you believe you are the author of yourself and project your delusion onto others. You then perceive the situation as one in which others are literally fighting you for your authorship. This is the fundamental error of all those who believe they have usurped the power of God. Now, this is not something a lot of us are consciously thinking about. It's really a belief system that we're deluded into thinking, but not even aware that we're thinking of it. So he he says here, this belief is very frightening to them, but hardly troubles God. God is, however, eager to undo it, not to punish his children, but only because God knows that it makes them unhappy. It makes us unhappy to believe that we we are the authors of our life. He says, God's creations are given their true authorship, but you prefer to be anonymous when you choose to separate yourself from your author, being uncertain of your true authorship. In other words, being uncertain of who made us, how we were made. You believe that your creation was anonymous. This leaves you in a position where it sounds meaningful to believe that you created yourself. The dispute over authorship has left such uncertainty in your mind that it may even doubt whether you really exist at all. Now remember, at the beginning of the course, nothing unreal exists and nothing real can be threatened. So this reminds me of an experience I had uh, about 20 years ago where I was meditating and I started to think, hmm, if I give up all my judgments and I have no judgments anymore, 
Will I even be recognizable? Will I recognize myself? Will my identity continue to exist or will Jennifer disappear? And my higher self said to me, or Holy Spirit self, however we like to discuss it, Spirit said to me, would that be okay? In other words, if Jennifer no longer existed, would that be okay? And this is the thing that people are afraid of. They're afraid of no longer existing. This is why it's so scary to think, thy will be done, not mine. But it's a powerful medicine to be able to say, thy will be done, not mine. Because when we say, thy will be done, not mine, we're saying that God's will, which is our true will, because we are of God, and we are not a body, we are not a personality. These are things that allow us to experience time and space, which are also fabricated. It's an exploration. Imagine this, that you have a car that has wonderful aspects, but it also has aspects to it that you don't like so much. Our bodies have wonderful aspects, but there are also aspects to our bodies that we don't like so much. Imagine that we have a vehicle like a car and we are traveling around in it. We didn't make the car, just like we didn't make our bodies. Not one of us knows how to make our own body. We could say we make children, but do we really think that we made them? Do we? I don't know. I never had a child. It would be hard for me to imagine that I would think I made that child. I brought the child into the world, but I don't know how to make a person. I mean, I understand procreation, but I don't understand how how to make a liver or a kidney or things like that and all the things that go into the body. So there's all this identification. Imagine if we identified with a car that we're driving around. Some people do. They identify with our house. They become very attached to the house or the car as the owners of the house, the owners of the car, the caretakers of these things. And this is an identity issue. So the authority problem is related to the identity issue. God's creations are given their true authorship with a capital A, but you'd prefer to be anonymous when you choose to separate yourself from your author. And so this is one of our main things is we feel uncomfortable saying that I am one with God and the brilliance, the genius, the magnificence, the sheer perfection of my creator is also my perfection. Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Many people take that as an aspirational statement, to become perfect. But what if we hear it this way? Be ye perfect. You are perfect, just as your Creator in heaven is perfect. You're already perfect. 
That's how I came up with that phrase. We're already as holy as holy can be. The willingness to accept that as the truth undoes this authority problem. If we can see that it's not about necessarily giving this separate God authority over our lives, but giving our own holiness the authority instead of the personality. To me, that is a whole completely different way of looking at it. But you see, we like to have this ability to reject things and to say, I don't like that. Oh, this is better than that. And we get so attached to our preferences. It, it is the undoing of us. I, and it can come down to, I don't like making coffee that way. I don't like whatever it is. I prefer these people to those people. I prefer these people with this colored skin to that. I prefer this people from this part of the world to that part of the world. Over and over again, we use our preferences to sort and separate. They become these focuses of separation through our judgments. But they don't have to be. A preference can just be, I prefer to go snow skiing to water skiing. One is not better than the other. Okay, so we are unpacking the authority problem here, and it is about time for me to take a break. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love, And I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thank you for returning. And uh, just before we continue, I'd like to let you know about some things that are coming up that you'll be able to uh, investigate, register for if you're interested. I am doing my Stop Playing Small Retreat the last two weekends in April. It's an online retreat. We had so much success with it last year. It was just tremendous how people jumped in and really made a difference. And it's really not about playing big or uh, anything like that. It's about no longer feeling that you're holding yourself back uh, because of insecurity and self-judgment, self-loathing, self-attack. It's about really digging in and relinquishing some of those habits and patterns. And people... Uh, all last year and this year have been reporting back to me what a difference that retreat made for them. And people always have said that for years because I've been doing this retreat for many years now. And it's such a pleasure to do it online. I, I, I never imagined that would be the case. But we've got that coming up 
uh, the last two weekends in April. So please jump into that if you're interested. And anybody who signs up for it, I'm giving a $500 off Finding Freedom. You can join my Finding Freedom boot camp, which will be at the end of May. So it's a really dynamic duo. We had a bunch of people who did that last year and got so much out of it that way. So letting you know about that, I am, it looks like, going to do this depression demolition class, a whole program for nine weeks, and it's it's going to be uh, really helpful if you struggle with depression. I invite you to consider joining in on that. Registration will probably be open in another week or so for that. Likewise, I am going to do a series on spiritual parenting, and that will be available soon. So look for those things coming up. All right, let's jump back into, oh, I should tell you, jenniferhadley.com. That's where to look at the events page, jenniferhadley.com. Always go there to look. And then remember, we have so many free resources. We've got the text messages, inspirational text messages. We've got... Um, all the free classes. We've got transcripts of this podcast, and we have a ton of stuff at livingacourseofmiracles.com. So please investigate all of these many, many things. Also, one more thing, if you're interested in the spiritual counseling training intensive, that'll be coming up in the fall. So look forward to that as well. Good things happening. We are getting it done at the Power of Love Ministry. Oh my goodness, we're on fire. Plus, Sundays with Spirit every Sunday. We've got good stuff happening there too. We just had John Mundy. That was fun. And uh, you can get all the replays for free at jenniferhadley.com. Okay, so the authority problem. This is so juicy. Uh, so we were talking about rejection just before the break and how important it is to recognize this, that what this is part of the ego thought system is the power to reject uh, other people, to reject ourselves, to say better than and less than. So the tiny mad idea that we forgot to laugh at I I have come to believe it is this better than and less than. It is this this judgment, this this idea that some things are good and some things are not good. So listen to this. So this is paragraph nine now in this section, chapter three, section six, the authority problem. Only those who give over all desire to reject can know that their own rejection is impossible. You have not usurped the power of God, but you have lost it. Fortunately, to lose something does not mean that it has gone. It merely means that you do not remember where it is. Its existence does not depend on your ability to identify it or even to place it. 
it is possible to look on reality without judgment and merely know that it is there. How beautiful is that? It's so powerful for us to realize that just because we can't find our power, just because we feel powerless, does not mean that we don't have power. It just means that we are not aware of it, we don't understand it, and therefore we believe we can't access it. But it's still there because we are made in God. And so the power of God is within us. Fortunately, to lose something does not mean it has gone. It merely means that you do not remember where it is. I love statements like that. So, for instance, we feel bereft. We feel like a victim. We feel lost. We feel confused. We've all felt these feelings. And the antidote is to remember, I can't be lost because I am still in God. I can't be lost, but I can believe I'm lost. I can't be without power, but I can believe I'm without power. I can believe in my mind that I'm disenfranchised. And so we can recover because our inheritance is still intact. Remember how in the prodigal son, his son goes wandering and he has this belief that he squandered his inheritance. And what we would take from it in the the way the Christians are teaching that is that the inheritance is gone and there is no more. But what happens when the prodigal son returns home? He's restored. He's given beautiful clothes, beautiful jewelry. He is restored. He's not deprived. He's not punished. He's not made to pay. He's welcomed. He's celebrated. Because that whole journey of squandering is just part of the adventure in this world. It's not real, it's not permanent. But our inheritance is, and the love of our Creator is permanent. It can't be damaged or sullied in any way, shape, or form. But we can believe that it is, and we can act as though it is. But that does not mean. It's true. So you have not usurped the power of God, but you have lost it. Fortunately, to lose something does not mean that it has gone. It merely means that you do not remember where it is. Its existence, the power of God, its existence does not depend on your ability to identify it or even to place it. It is possible to look on reality without judgment and merely know that it is there. Now, peace, it says, this is paragraph 10 now, is a natural heritage of spirit. Everyone is free to refuse to accept his inheritance, but he is not free to establish what his inheritance is. The problem everyone must decide is the fundamental question of authorship. All fear 
comes ultimately and sometimes by way of very devious roots from the denial of authorship. Hello. All fear, all fear, all fear comes ultimately and sometimes by way of a very devious roots from the denial of authorship. So for instance, if we are afraid because we can't pay our bills, comes from the, the fear is about the denial of authorship. If we're afraid because we have a terminal cancer diagnosis, the fear is the denial of authorship. If we're afraid because the person we love and adore is leaving us or they died, the fear is from the denial of authorship. If we're afraid because we are not good at our job, we're afraid we're going to lose our job or the company is closing, the fear is from the denial of authorship. It's because we think we made ourselves and because we think we're on our own, separate, defenseless. But in our defenselessness, our safety lies. All fear comes ultimately and sometimes by way of very devious roots, very convincing roots. You're bit by a rattlesnake. (laughs) All fear comes ultimately from the denial of authorship. The offense is never to God, but only to those who deny God. To deny God's authorship is to deny yourself the reason for your peace. So that you see yourself only in segments, meaning separate. This strange perception is the authority problem. Now, listen to this. There is no one who does not feel that he is imprisoned in some way. There is no one, no one on this earth who does not feel that in some way they are imprisoned. If this is the result of his own free will, he must regard his will as not free. Or the circular reasoning in this position would be quite apparent. Free will must lead to freedom. So we have the free will to choose what we're going to think. And what we choose to think will determine how we feel. When we are thinking that we are separate, that we are not good, that we have made ourselves and we're on our own, we will feel imprisoned in some way. We will feel trapped in some way. But we're not. But our thinking makes us feel that way because we believe it. But we don't have to believe it because it's not true. Why believe it? We choose to believe it. And that's how we use our free will. But free will must lead to freedom. So we're on this adventure. We're on this exploration that's going to lead us back ultimately to freedom. And we can go there in a circuitous route Or we can go there directly. Now, here in paragraph 11, he says, Judgment always imprisons because it separates segments of reality by the unstable scales of desire. 
the unstable scales of desire. So scales meaning how we weigh things. Is this desirable, undesirable? Then he says, wishes are not facts. To wish is to imply that willing is not sufficient. Yet no one in his right mind believes that what is wished is as real as what is willed. Instead of seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, say, will ye first the kingdom of heaven? And you have said, I know what I am, and I accept my own inheritance. So again and 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 again, again, (laughs) throughout the course, Jesus is telling us, You are part of heaven. You're an instrumental part of heaven. And that we share the same mind. But that in our human experience, we have become enamored of our judgments, our opinions, which is what our perceptions are made of. And we have come to believe a delusion. But we can go back and find our right mind. We can find the truth and value the truth. So everything that we experience that feels painful is a result of not valuing the truth and instead valuing something we made up. I have given everything in this world all the meaning that it has for me And I could see peace instead of this. I could see joy instead of this. I could see freedom instead of this. Our inheritance is still our inheritance. It's not been diminished in any way. The kingdom of heaven. Let's accept the kingdom of heaven. Will the kingdom of heaven in our awareness which is the only place that we can. It's within, within our awareness. I dare you to say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my heart as it is in heaven. Let me use my free will to align with my divine will and give up all sense of separation. Let me make love the one authority in my life. In the next section at the very end, paragraph 6, Jesus says this, Your kingdom is not of this world, because it was given you from beyond this world. Only in this world is the idea of an authority problem meaningful. The world is not left by death, but by truth. And truth can be known by all those for whom the kingdom was created and for whom it waits. So how we leave this world of pain and suffering, our experience of the world that is painful and is so confusing and difficult to bear, how we leave that experience of the world 
It's not by death, but by truth, he's telling us. And truth can be known by all those for whom the kingdom was created and for whom it waits. And that's for us. Seek ye first the kingdom which is within, and all else will be added unto you. And the all else being added unto us is when we seek the kingdom in our own heart, in our own mind, knowing that we've already been given it. That's the prodigal son returning home to our own awareness, looking within to align with divine will. Then we'll realize that we've already been given everything there is to give us. If we're looking to spirit to give us something more, we have lost our mind. Now we're feeling separate. So for me, one of my prayers is to recognize that it's already been given to me and to make use of it for the collective good. To make use of the power of love in my mind for the collective good. That when I am liberated from thoughts of separation, all are liberated. This is what my life is for. Many people uh, have asked me for a definition of ego. And ego is the thought system that makes separation, the belief in separation, possible to experience. Here I'd like to share with you uh, an ego definition that also brings in this authority problem. And so we're going to look at chapter 5, section 5. And this is uh, entitled, The Ego's Use of Guilt. We're going to look at paragraph 3 here, where Jesus tells us, The ego is the part of the mind that believes in division. So it's the thought system that is all about separation and division. He says, how could part of God detach itself without believing it is attacking God? We spoke before of the authority problem as based on the concept of usurping God's power, edging God out, usurping God's power. The ego believes that this is what you did because it believes that it is you. If you identify with the ego thought system, you must perceive yourself as guilty. Whenever you respond to your ego, you will experience guilt and you will fear punishment. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. However ridiculous the idea of attacking God may be to the sane mind, never forget that the ego is not sane. It represents a delusional system and speaks for it. Listening to the ego's voice means that you believe it is possible to attack God and that a part of God has been torn away by you. 
fear of retaliation from without follows because the severity of the guilt is so acute that it must be projected. The severity of the guilt is so acute that it must be projected. So we start attacking the world. We start attacking others as a way of projecting our guilt for leaving God onto the world, making the world bad and wrong and sinful and stupid and all of those judgments. So this authority problem is the root of all evil. This idea of usurping God's power. Placing our ego-identified personality as being the usurper of God. The authority in our heart, in our mind. If we can see that only love is real and everything else is an illusion, if we are willing to recognize that we are more interested in the truth than in the story we made up, we can come back into our right mind and be miracle-minded. If we can begin to notice every time we are upset It's because we've given something meaning, we've given something an interpretation that we believe is true, but it definitely is not true. And if we can, in that moment, say, I do not know what anything is for, and everything works together for my good. I'm never upset for the reason I think. And just keep repeating these Course in Miracles lessons with a willingness to know what the truth is. I'm willing to know the truth. I'm willing for the truth to light up my mind. I'm willing to find the kingdom within and to stop looking for it outside of myself. When I'm looking for my happiness to come from the world. I'm not looking for the kingdom within. If I think, oh, if I can just have the perfect meal with the perfect television show and the perfect company or the perfect body and the perfect clothes to put on that body and the perfect car to ride around in and the perfect house to live in and all this perfection outside of my mind, then I'll be happy. I've lost my mind. Then I am in this authority problem debacle. (laughs) And it's time for me to realize the only happiness there is is in finding the kingdom within. Finding it within. Let me not be distracted. Let's make a commitment to stop igniting more pain and more suffering. Let's use our free will to align with truth. Simply saying, Spirit, I'm interested in the truth. Whenever we're upset, I'm interested in the truth. Show me the truth. Let me know the truth. Let me affirm it. 
Let me use my free will to live aligned with divine will, God's will, which is my true will. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful topic. I'm so glad we got to share it together. And I am so, so grateful to everyone who makes a donation. If you'd like to make a donation to support this show because you find it valuable, simple way is to sign up for the Course in Miracles text messages, acimtexts.com. You can also make donations at jenniferhadley.com. So grateful and thankful for the love of God that shines in our mind now and forever. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.